Hi, I'm Kevin, and welcome to my podcast, Finding My Freedom, where I talk about reigniting my passion for music after living without it for several years, and how rebuilding the foundation for my passion on more spiritual ground is much more solid, much more honest and really no bullshit, you know, so it's been very interesting and I really felt compelled to share, so here we are. (laughs) How are you guys doing anyway? Are you doing all right? Just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this little podcast of mine. I am also accepting guitar students for private lessons online. I think it would be so cool to be able to reach out and connect musically with people all over the world. And so that's what I'm going to try to do. So if you know a little bit of English and you want to try some guitar lessons, hit me up. (laughs) So my next guest is a singer-songwriter from New York. She has spent time in the beatnik community out west and has traveled all over this country performing. So I believe she has some very interesting stories to tell. (laughs) Her name is Sunny Leilani. And what I find fascinating about this whole situation is how we met. So I make it no secret that I enjoy tarot readers. I love watching those uh, if I got some free time or whatever. It's just a lot of fun and it's fun to see if anything connects. Because sometimes, you know, it really feels like they're reading your mind. So I was watching this channel. It was called The Cosmic Awakening. And she is a very talented tarot reader, by the way. You should check out her channel. It's really, really cool. And so I was watching the channel, and this was one of those times where as she kept going, things would resonate. Things were, like, clicking. It's just like, wow. It's it's incredible feeling when all that happens, you know. And so things were resonating, and, and I... I decided to leave her a comment, just basically saying thanks, and um, I really enjoyed your video, and I really enjoy your channel, you know, and I also explained, like, certain things that were just clicking with me, just really, really clicking, and, uh, you know, I didn't think nothing of it, I just thought, cool, you know, it's just one of them times where it's just a lot of fun, and it's cool, and it's just is what it is. Now, usually when you leave a comment or something, the the channel owner will give you a heart or they'll say, you know, hey, thanks for um, checking it out. Or there's always something, you know, that you get like back from it. Right. So about three days later, I seen a comment thing pop up in my thing and I thought it was just going to be like, hey, you know, I appreciate you uh, stopping by or all that sort of thing. But it was sunny. And she had wrote me back and said, hey, I just saw your comment. And I felt the same way about that read. I was resonating with the same reading. She was like, I always felt just like an incredible time where everything was really clicking. She said that after she saw my comment, she's like, I had to go check out your channel. And I absolutely love what you're doing 
with this podcast. And she explained that she was a singer-songwriter and that if I was ever interested, that she would love to come on the podcast. So I thought, heck yeah, man. I'll get you on whenever you want to come on, you know. What, what day do you want to pick? And it seemed pretty synchronistic because, like, uh, I had several other people uh, within, like, that time frame of about a week talk to me about becoming a guest on the show. And uh, so I was just, like, thinking, man, maybe things are actually going to, you know, start moving along pretty good or whatever. So... Yeah, so we, I uh, left her my email and all that, and we ended up getting in contact a little bit, you know, a few days later, and working it out. And throughout this time period of, I think it's been like two months since I first started talking to her, you know, we've exchanged ideas for different songs and for different things like that. So it's like this really great way to meet people and collaborate without... You know, going through the whole, you know, the the whole process of, uh, you know, I want you to be in my band forever and that sort of thing. It's just more like a couple of musician friends shooting the shit, having a good time. And uh, so, yeah, so this is her episode. We recorded it uh, a couple days ago and I'm excited to introduce her to you guys and see how much... You guys dig her too because she's got this real magnetic personality. And she's a very talented songwriter. So I will be playing a song in the beginning of the podcast and a song at the end of the podcast. She has is releasing a double album this year. And um, this is where she's working, working her bread and butter for. Her. So I wanted to be sure to do it justice and to give her plenty of time. And so I'm very, very excited to bring you this first single of hers. It was recorded in Ham Lake, Minnesota at a studio called Om I Productions. The musicians were Tyrell, Justin, and Josh. And they did all the mixing, recording, and tracking there in their studio. So the first song is called My Dear Friend. And the second song is called Snake River. And, well, I hope you guys really enjoy this. Thank you.
hey there, Sonny. Welcome to the podcast. First things first, I want to know exactly how you pronounce your name because I will butcher it. <laughs> There's no question about that. Sunny Leilani. It's a Hawaiian word and it means like a like heavenly flower, like a garland of heavenly flowers. Wow, that is beautiful. And it was gifted to me. It was gifted to me. So it's interesting. My birth name is Tanya Marie Limosnero, but my spirit name is Sunny Leilani. And I got I got the names at two different times in my life, but at like like at like two major times in my life. Um, my my first uh, it was more like a nickname, but as as I it was my first nickname was Sunshine, and it was gifted to me by Thomas, who was the the coach or the bus driver. The um, he called himself a night a night did he say nightliner night rider nightliner a nightliner I believe it's nightliner. And that's, uh, he's German, and he was the tour bus uh, driver. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the something, coach, coach service? I don't know the name of the company, but he went, he went on to work later for Beat the Street, which is like a, there's like, he worked for two really big companies for tour, like tour bus driving. And, um, Thomas would always be, um, always be helpful, like ask me if I, I ever needed any help on the road. And we always spent a lot of time, like I would always be like one of the last people to go to sleep on the tour bus. And, um, and I was always like one of the first to rise. And I would always like wake up with a smile on my face and greet him and he would say, good morning, sunshine. <laughs> nice. And I was like, I just loved it. And I just knew like, you know, six foot four German man, you either love it or you hate it. And I loved it. And that's when he started calling me sunshine. And then it shortened to sunny. And um, so that stuck with me. And then um, I had been frequenting the Hawaiian islands uh, since like 2010. And then um, after Standing Rock, I spent some time, six months in Standing Rock, standing um, with the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe and to stop the Dakota Access Pipeline. Mm -hmm. I bet that was interesting. Yeah. And I met um, a delegation of Hawaiian uh, Kanaka Maoli, Hawaiian elders, and they had, um, they had, all, they had said if I ever was to go to the big island that I was welcome with them. Uh, Aloha Aina Freedom Fighters, you know, to restore the Hawaiian kingdom, to protect all, protect all of, Ho, uh, you know, the Hawaiian islands, natural resources and their sacred sites and um, lands and mountains and waters. And when I was there, uh, Earl de Leon, a Kanaka Maoli elder who I met at Standing Rock, gifted me the name Leilani. So Sunny Leilani uh, became my spirit name. So Sunshine kind of did become like a spirit name for me because I one of my first bands was called Sunshine. My first duo was called Sunshine. And I really resonated with Sunshine. So it kind of started to feel more like my spirit name and not just a nickname. Nice. 
Yeah. And then when Leilani was gifted, I knew that was my spirit aim. And it's funny because right now there's only one Sunny Leilani right now. I say right now because I, I mean, like, it's, it's like a, it's a gift, you know, from creator. Um, so it's, it's very special. It's very special to me. So it's Leilani. Yeah. It's pretty wonderful how that name actually picked you. Yeah, Kevin, you can't, sometimes, sometimes you can't plan these things. It's, there's no, and it's, it's like, it's like a higher, it's, it's me. It's like a different vibration. Yeah. It's something that feels so right that you know it's for you and nobody else. So that's wonderful. So where did you grow up and uh, how'd you get your start in music? I grew up, I was born in Monticello, New York. I moved to New Jersey about six years old. I think started, I started first grade in New Jersey, a little town called Manahawkin, New Jersey. I started first grade there. So from, we traveled around quite a bit until we settled down in New Jersey. And um, I didn't start playing the guitar until I was 22. Uh, I... Yeah, I started writing my first songs like a cappella. Uh, for, well, first in po- like poetic, like poetry, and I was, you know, just kind of writing poetry, and then um, I started singing melodies and things. And it took me a long time to touch. And I, you know, I didn't really grow up with instruments, but um, I, like I said, I, I got a guitar at 21. Uh, it was a Christmas gift from my mom, and my family, and then. By the time I was 22, I had kind of gone through like a really major transition in my life, a really dark time, and I finally had the patience to sit down and play the guitar. You know, I wanted to pick it up and play it right away, but that's not how you learn a guitar. You gotta, you gotta give it some time and have the patience. And uh, you know, when I was going through that that painful time, I finally had like the you know, the, the connection to the guitar. And that's when I started to play. So did you ever have a uh, calling as a child to start playing or, you know, an interest in music or anything like that? Or it just didn't really hit you until you were an adult? Um, you know, like, I can honestly say no, not with an instrument. I think when I first started listening to... Uh, um, like popular radio or radio you know my it was I think like my brother playing music um, my brothers playing music having music around and then kind of like exploring I remember like I have a vivid memory of being like maybe between like 9 and 13 where I was at my sister my big sister's house somewhere I, sh- I don't know if she was either living in Milwaukee or she was in Minneapolis or Chicago I don't remember where she was kind of like a gypsy Um, and she had a you know a turntable and I remember like playing records and listening to like Stevie Wonder's talking book Uh, um, Stevie Wonder's songs in the key of life and I have memories of like getting little tape cassettes from Kmart like Billie Holiday and um, like jazz players. Um, I'm trying to think of the one piano player. Um, 
oh gosh, I can't think of his name right now. I, I remember kind of like floating through TV when I was a little kid and finding like Billie Holiday. I mean, on Lady Sings the Blues, it was Diana Ross playing Billie Holiday with Billy D. Williams. And then I went off on a whole chat. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then she did the movie Mahogany. So I went through this phase where there were some things on TV that kind of like geared my... But I had already been listening to Motown and um, just from my family's like very eclectic, very like uh, diverse family. So I had a lot of different music around me. But um, yeah, so then Mahogany. So I kind of was listening to... At that point, I started listening to jazz, um, and then I was started to listen to. Um, of course, I discovered Prince. We all discovered Prince, I think, at some point in our life. And I, my oh yeah, Purple Rain was huge. So then I started once. I, yeah, I was fourteen when that record came out, and then I went back and bought all of his records. And then I also became really smitten and like really entranced with uh, Stevie Nicks. So I think if, to get their question, I know I went off on a little divergence there, but to get back to the question, I think it was Stevie uh, Nicks that kind of made me really dive deeper into poetry than to start singing. So I think that I was definitely um, more focused on writing lyric. And then because I, I wanted to sing them, I started to sing. So that would be like my first instrument for sure. Um, and then just, uh, and by the time I left the uh, East coast for the West coast at 19, you know, I went right to, you know, San Francisco city lights. And I started like, you know, reciting poetry, like why people were playing upper bass. You know, I was really into the beatnik poets and that whole movement of the black mountain poets. And, um, so I kind of like, I always had. I always had music connected to, not always, but to not in my sensibilities. I always had music connected to my poetry or poetry connected to music. Like I saw, um, I saw, uh, they did uh, at the Great American Music Hall, Michael McClure like playing, um, uh, reading poetry as Ray Manzarek was playing the piano, the grand piano before he passed away. Yeah, doing the old doors thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then Michael McClure was actually, you know, I think one of the key people when Jane, you know, when Jim Morrison started sharing his poetry, like, you know, Michael McClure gave him like a little connection into getting his poetry published. And he was like one of my professors at college. I dropped out of college. I started, I did two years at California College of Arts and Crafts in Oakland, San Francisco, Oakland. And, um, after two years, I dropped out. Um, and then I, right around then was when I uh, started playing the guitar. When I, I left the West Coast, came back to the East Coast. And uh, by the time I was 22, that's when I was definitely, like I like I said, I had like the patience and just the, the need, the urge to like really finally connect with the guitar. Because at that point, I just wanted to sing. I was like, you know, like the pain is so strong and so powerful that like, how do you get it out of your body? I was already writing poems and songs about my pain. So I was like, I want to sing it with a guitar. And when I, 
when I gave that that time, it's time. Like I think time is like the greatest value. It's the greatest gift, like anything. Like when we can give our time to something, I think that's where for me it clicked. And within within a year, I was playing like on stages, uh, open mics. And then I remember at 25, I got my first gig at a place called the Lionfish in Philadelphia. That's where I kind of started my musical adventure, booking music, uh, working in a jazz club, and then also playing music in Philadelphia. That started around 25 for me. So what inspired you to move to the West Coast when you were 19? I was a poet and I just wanted to, I just wanted to be, I wanted to go to City Lights. I wanted to go to, you know, San Francisco and I wanted to just go and just be in the energy where the beats like started their, their own inner revolution and then, you know, and then also be part of a revolution too. Is this your first full like record that you're recording? on your own like your first actually with other players yes I I had a I had I have a record called Joy a full length extended play or full length uh, 10 songs uh, with me and Charnet Moffat playing upright bass so that was the first time I ever recorded with another uh, be- person being and uh, that was in 2000 and, uh, 2011 so uh, we did that record in five hours. We recorded, like, we rehearsed one night, we went in the studio the next day, recorded those 10 songs in five hours. Yeah. Um, left with the master, and then my friend Francois mixed it. So this, but this record truly is, like, my first experience with, like, you know, getting tracks and hearing the record, I mean, hearing the drums and, like, really working with other musicians beyond another musician, like you know, beyond two. I mean, I'm really working at any point with three or four players. So yes, it's definitely a first to answer that question. It's not the first, but on a larger scale, like a little bit more expanded, it's the first. And it's it's quite, it's it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, the creative process is definitely a magical thing. So when I listen to new music, I really try to turn off all my analytical tools and just get the feeling of the tune just enjoy what's happening and so when i did this i just got this really cool like laid back 70s vibe man i just just a really enjoyable thing i just kept picturing those old 70s tv shows you know where they got the the bell bottoms and the whole look about it and the feeling is just this groovy little thing yes it's pretty cool Exactly, because Kevin, if I had my way, every pair of pants I have would be bell bottoms. One of the first songs I learned to play was, of course, I all I I absolutely had to like play it my way to even just get my fingers to play it. Was bell bottom nice. blues? It was like it's one of my all time favorite songs, but it was a challenge for me. I remember when I first like started learning it, so I kind of adapted it, but. I, I, I don't remember how to play it. I just remember, I think like learning songs were like, they kind of spurred me to like, to keep pushing through, right? Yeah, I still learn songs today. I still learn songs every every day I wake up in the morning um, with a song in my head and I learn it, yeah. Learn a new song. 
it's a really great way to just also mm -hmm. um, explore different side of your creativity just by, you know, absolutely making something, you know, reworking something a little bit different. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's a good thing. Yeah. So you're touring now or you're planning on putting together a tour after um, you get going with this album or um, going to just continue to do more of the online stuff? What's the future hold for you? I definitely am going to continue to tour. I feel like I never stopped it um, because I did kind of equate my tour with this uh, virtual online tour, which I know many other folks were doing too at some point when they were losing their, you know, their venues and livelihoods. So I kind of, and I, so I'm kind of challenging myself now to actually do some you know, some like some real like on like hitting up the phone shows and lining up the shows. You know, I that was yeah. one of my biggest that was one of my biggest challenges. Um, not because I wasn't um, not because I can't pick up a phone and like talk, you know, talk to someone or connect with someone. It's just that it takes time. And it, it's like and it is um, if you're not strong it can really rock you because like the rejection rate is just and then put a pandemic on it it's like so like it's a very interesting you gotta kind of have like the thick skin you know oh yeah and you know so um oh yeah <laughs> you gotta have the thick skin and you gotta stay neutral in these things all right so when i when i lined up my first little gig stretch from los angeles to charleston south carolina two years ago in march everything canceled i had like 14 things lined up across the from los angeles across the southwest yes and i was going to be in austin um and then to charleston south carolina where my dear friend tina was living and she had a couple places lined up for me there and then i was going to bop up the east coast and mm, i had a stop and parked in maryland and um so i had like i had i had a pretty steady a uh, thing going across the country, which is big, but then I have like so many friends and family on the East Coast, so that was going to be like, you know, a little bit um, easier to foresee a schedule. So, sort of a coming home sort of thing, and just going home and kind of playing some gigs and uh, visiting family, and then and just chilling, and then up. carrying on, mm -hmm, and then carrying on because yeah. the next stop from when I made this. Uh, like tentative uh, tour route two years ago I was going to go to Maryland then New Jersey then Philadelphia then New York and then I was going to go to Minnesota Michigan well Michigan first Minnesota and then you know go back that way like go across the top the north because then I have friends in North Dakota and then I was going to make my way to Portland and then keep going or find a home base. I didn't know. I was kind of like really just going with the flow. And um, so to just to like to nip this in the bud and answer your question, I think it's going to be a challenge for me because I've gotten really comfortable with doing shows right out of hotel rooms. Like, so I've still been on the road and it's been to real like legit places that I've had to go and do things. But along the way, when I'm stopping in a hotel, you better believe I'm doing a live. I mean, because 
I became used to doing online performances. So I, you know, so everywhere I was in between a bus station, in the bus station, or, you know, on in the airport, wherever I was, in a park, at a house, because um, I've done house concerts, I've played in the park, you know, a little bit of everything, I'm doing it. But now live music came back and, you know, I'm a little concerned, do I have to have a vaccine card, you know, but I'm going to just try to line up some shows. And I have my first one on May 21st in Minneapolis at the Art of World Festival. Oh, cool. And I'm on the day that I'm going to release the record. Nice. Well, that sounds great. So that's like the kick. That's like a kickoff for me. So thanks for that question, Kevin, because it's going to ancient love story. If you watch that video with my nieces, I said, I'm still on my ancient love story tour and I'll probably be until the day I die. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And because I feel like what else do I have to do? You know? (laughs) Well, I mean, and that's just it. You're just putting one foot in front of the other, trying to Mm -hmm. regroup after all this COVID crap and everything else. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it really rocked, rocked the uh, live music situation in this country. Yeah. And you, did you experience? Yeah. What's that? Around the world. Did you get affected by that too? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody did. You know, I decided that I was going to start playing again live, and then the thing came out. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it was like, it was like a double way, you know, but it's all good. But you shifted, you shifted, and you started finding my freedom. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's all good. It's, it's definitely, if, I wouldn't have started this podcast if that if I, the music was still going. I'd just be playing gigs. That's all I'd be doing, <laughs> you know. So, which is which is good, but this is a different and you, a different departure. And it, but it's in the same ener, energetics, right? Sure. And yeah. like you're like the other fellow you interviewed, you have a really great knack at it. Like I mean, we've talked personally, but I also feel like this kind of felt this does feel like an interview and it also does feel like a great conversation and what's interesting is um when i was working with melody she had phoners and interviews all night long i was like when does this girl ever sleep i'm not sleeping so she must not be sleeping so her and i were probably like the two hardest working women in show business or two hardest working kids in the show business because like like i most of the time on the road I felt like I was a kid, just a kid, just not knowing what I was doing, but totally knew what I was doing because of just my own, my own character, who I was like, you know, it just, but most of the time, Kevin, I felt like, felt like a big kid. Like what the, what is going on? But I remember like, you know, having, phoners and phone interviews like we have one till two o'clock in the morning and then we'd have to get up at eight and do another one and it was so it's like I'm kind of like enjoying this moment of having an interview but I also know it's it's for finding my freedom but I but I also feel like it's a conversation but I also do feel like an ease of an interview and I think you have a knack for the interview and then also just storytelling you know with your finding my freedom well thank you very much i appreciate that that's a very kind thing to say it's Um, my pleasure it's the truth it's just you know being a musician you know i mean i was never somebody that 
it was always front. I was upset. So this is being out front mm-hmm. as I've ever, yeah. ever been, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah. it's a little different that way, but it's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. But how cool is that? That's the thing. It's so fun to talk to people like you, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we get to talk shop and talk about what we love and the fact that, you know, I mean, you've been, you've been playing and doing this thing for over 20 years and like you don't have no plans on slowing down, no. you know, and we just find different ways to be able to express ourselves and, and, and be able to keep this music thing going as long as long and as much as we can, you know, yes. so I think that's great too. And I really appreciate you, uh, spending some time with me and hanging out and talking about this stuff. Thank you. And we'll, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really honored to be here. So once again, thank you, Sonny, for coming on the show. And um, here is the second single. It's called Snake River. I hope you enjoy it.